give me 30 seconds to go fill my drink up because it actually isn't full anymore. God damn it. Jeez. What the f*** is going on down there? Hey everyone, welcome to WTFTFW, where I was just going to get a drink and thinking to myself, like, I, so I often, my brain default is like, when I think we're going to deep dive on something, I'm like, we're going to go balls deep, but I'm like, I kind of am tired of saying balls, because it's a fun word to say, but it's, I feel like it's sort of beneath me, literally, so I'm like, does it work to just say, we're going to go groin deep, and I kind of like it, but Aaron, what do you think? Why? It's, it's an important well, uh, thing. Why? It's, an, it's important, okay? <clears throat> to none of us. Well, no, it isn't important to you. It's important to me, alright? That's the thing. One, one uh-huh. of those let me have this things. Um, uh-huh. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay, you know? You could say that I was groin Don't. deep in some Magic the Gathering stuff. Uh, over the weekend, but you know we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I, I saw that you got the sickness. It's not a sickness; it's a it's a choice. It's a decision. It's, what, it's a sickness. What he called the decision. Um, TJ, hello, welcome to the show as well. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm. We'll talk about this when we got this week. This thing is friggin'. Yesterday morning, I was on the actual radio, and I got the exact same introduction. This is very trippy. What if I told you that that was me? No. That's right. Welcome to This Is Your Life, or something. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, Scott McNeil's in the other room. (laughs) Ah! Okay, that fell off. Hi. Um... We get We're for taking the name of Nick McNeil <laughs> We're here to talk to you today. Just wrap up this very finely crafted piece of instructional paperwork. It sucks uh, to talk about Transformers. Um, and it's a, it's a good week to talk about Transformers. We got stuff to talk about. Um, we have a topic list which is not in our podcast conversation thread, no matter how much I want to believe it is. And uh, we got some listener questions. So. Uh, to begin, let's hit some of that uh, Flame Toys news very briefly that I keep bringing up. We have talked about it millions of times. Uh, we've talked about the difference between the expensive Sentinel-designed figures and then the upcoming Furai model uh, kit figures that are um, uh, by a different designer, but still very stylized, and also model kits, and smaller, and probably more affordable. We now have at least pre-order info from Robot Kingdom, where if you order it from Robot Kingdom, they're about 40 bucks. Uh, so I assume they will probably be 45 or 50 depending if you order them inside the States, in, the, uh, in Europe, etc. Guess what? It's 35 inside the States. hey So we finally know a little bit more about these. They're made of ABS, 40 movable joints, about 15 and a half centimeters tall. So that's about, what, six, seven inches tall, um, designed by Trigger. Um, Joints are soft plastic, 
Uh, that's actually something I'd missed. So I was wondering if it was going to be ABS on ABS, and I was like, that might not be very kind. Okay, that's that's not very kind, no. So it isn't, uh, thank goodness. And uh, different injection color of runner parts and simple assembly design. So they're going for a very gunpla kind of approach here. Uh, so without, mm-hmm. without lingering on it too much, now at least we know kind of how much this will cost, which was, I think, always the biggest question. Um, so yeah, Aaron, uh, how are you feeling about it? I think $40 is a good price point um, for the sizes that, that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for the posability and that approximate range of like gunpla kits are a fun, like three hours ish, maybe of assembly. I want to say it de- depends you're just what you're there doing. doing that. Like I, I'd yeah. say it's like, if you're kind of just, if you're experienced and you're just sort of barreling through it and you're not panel lining or anything, then like maybe one and a half, two hours. Yeah. Um, well, it's a new company. So maybe getting used to however, you know, however these are laid out. But- yeah, what, whatever their build language is. Yeah. yeah. Um, TJ, what about you? Are you uh, are you f- f- are you feeling this at all? Or I mean, I kind of am, just because it is like a super anime looking Optimus Prime. It's an extremely different aesthetic than things I've typically seen. Mm-hmm. It's familiar enough, but it's doing different things that kind of catch my attention and. I get the feeling this is going to be one of those things where it really depends on how much money I have kicking around at the time. Like, if there's just nothing for me to buy, this is going to look really, really good. I also feel like it's one of those things where without meaning, like, this isn't meant to be a dig when I say it, but the nature of a model kit piece like this, they often kind of hang around for a bit. Uh, so I feel like it's it's going to be safe to, like, you know, wait for folks like me who are probably going to jump all over it uh, and, and see, like whether or not it actually turned out um but i would highly recommend folks jump on this if they think it looks cool because that'll also support the project and you know make them want to make more and i want them to make more but uh yeah that optimus prime uh the pre-order is up is i didn't see the actual pre-order uh to see if there's a date oh here we go september uh so he's, he's coming out in the fall so it'll even be post convention season it'll be uh it'll be the kind of time when people want to just sit down and put a kit together um, but that was just a quick pop in to catch up on that bit of news and fill in that gap. We also have a listener question. Uh, Aaron, how would you like to read this one from Alec? Alrighty. A uh, question from Alec on March 31st, 2018. And all of a sudden when I highlight things, it wants to see if I want to multi-quote that. That's new. How helpful. Thank you, uh, message board. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> TFW for messing with the system here. Uh, Alex says, Hey guys, now you've probably gotten the question, what Transformers comic storyline do you want adapted into a theatrical or direct-to-DVD film? But what I want to know is, what do you think would be the worst comic storylines to be turned into a film? Pulling from old Marvel, Dreamwave, or IDW. Thanks for answering my question. Hope you had fun, Alec. So I have like one of those, like, I have an answer that doesn't necessarily answer the question kind of answers. Um, but leaving that one aside, my knee-jerk answer, the first one that popped into mind, was Nefarious. But I don't think that has anything to do with whether or not it could be adapted. I think it's mostly I hate Nefarious, uh, which I think a lot of people don't even remember anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, Aaron, did you have any any storylines you think might not work in, in an adaptation? Even though We don't really have anything to base it off of at this point. Yeah, I, I'm, try- I'm trying to think of... In recent memory, if there were any just raw, bad Transformers-only storyline stuff, I think there'd be a lot of stuff that would be weird by itself in a vacuum. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, like some of the spotlights might be all right for a one shot, but would leave you very confused. Oh, especially the uh, the spotlights that were less spotlights and more like an issue something point five. Yeah. Um, although if those were the things to get the adaptations first, I think like the whole fandom would be like, what are you doing? Why, why yeah. are you? <laughs> like, like, uh, well, even then, like a spotlight cup. I like that. Mm. That, that, no, well, what I'm saying is that would be an interesting thing. Yeah. But if that was like just in the vacuum by itself, mm. it, it'd be like a slasher movie, but Transformers, but not. So here's where I'm having, but, I'm having trouble knowing how I respond because when that issue was new way back, I was trying to get people who had no interest in Transformers to read it in a void because I thought it was so good. Yeah. And they probably thought that you had issues maybe maybe um you're probably right it's it's very hard for me i'm trying to separate my my own taste aside for that one um yeah i'm but i'm saying that there's a lot of like one-off lot storyline comic chunks that may not be great by themselves i'm sure that there's plenty of like like half of the marvel catalog just only existed to be like, hey, look, this is the character of the week. Oh, yeah, to be like, look at how much attention he's getting in this one comic. You'll never see him again. Like the toy, yeah, the toy commercial uh, aspect of the Marvel comics. Yeah. Where I don't rem- I think a lot of people maybe don't quite remember a good 60% of the Marvel comic run because everyone remembers the really good parts. Yeah, they remember the good parts and like, okay, then there's these like four filler issues just like. If you're going to read them, I'll read them, but oh, whatever. Yeah. Just get past those. <laughs> don't don't then, talk to us about them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was the, the three months where there was new line reset on the shelves and we had to, like, they really, somebody at corporate really wanted the Spark bots to get their own line, so, or their own through line on the comic. So they showed up, they were the most important thing, and then drastically well, forgot about, that, let's just keep moving. That was the comic book thing, is that, like, they had a mandate from Hasbro. You have to use every single toy. Mm-hmm. Everything. They, uh, that, that resulted in some good stuff, though. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't actually know if anyone agrees with me, but I have very fond feelings for that one issue where the one red Micromaster has a wrestling match with some guy who looks kind of like mm-hmm. must, like an extra mustachey macho man. Um, when I was a kid, I thought that issue was really cool. Uh, TJ, do you have any comic stories that you think would just not translate at all into an adaptation? We're going to put aside just the ones I feel that are personally awful, mm-hmm. uh, just because like you could still adapt them. They could still make for a movie and you'd still watch. You'd still watch it, maybe. Um, no, I'm going to go with the underbase. Oh, oh no, man, that's yeah. actually a risk because that totally feels. If if we didn't have modern IDW, that feels like one of those stories someone would who in the right position would be like, oh, we got to make the underbase direct to DVD. Like, Underbase is a well-known storyline from Marvel. It is. Mm. But it's also where Starscream gets super powerful, kills half of the named Transformers, and then explodes all on his own. Yeah. So, movie-wise, it's not the best source material. It's also, like, I've enjoyed the, the one that came out. Um, and I, and like the one coming up looks okay. But whenever they're like, we're doing a direct-to-DVD animation of The Death and Return of Superman... I'm always like, it's not like that makes for like a bad thing. It's 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 fine, but 
it's not a self-contained story, in my opinion. I think every time, no. I, you know, like when you take Death and Return of Superman and try to capsulize it into a, you know, a, a 90 or you know, a two hour or even two two hour viewing experiences, I think it's just like, I don't know, you you start you start stuffing something into a box way too hard. Yeah, like that um, was I like I saw that I saw that special and it's just so crammed in there trying to get as many of the story hits as possible into like a 2-hour DVD and it doesn't work. But you could do The Death of Superman, that'd be fine. You could do Reign yeah. of Superman and that'd be fine. But, but the like, two together the two together is just like it's like yeah, it's like Death and Return and all like the only I, I, this is the way I remember it. The one and only thing I remember from that entire endeavor if I'm even remembering this correctly, was James Marsden's Lex Luthor. If that's the one where he was Lex Luthor. <laughs> I can't remember. It's because he had He had a cute line about a rumpus room where it kind of, it had this almost like erotic tone to it that I thought was an interesting take on Lex Luthor. And then the rest of the film, I actually don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's my, here's my answer. The nature, going mostly by the DC um, adaptations that have happened over the years, because they've gotten pretty decent at, you know, at, at adapting DC stories into direct-to-DVD films. You know, they, they have their misses, but they've also had a number of hits. And I think that a lot of the more recent hits are from taking a story and then adapting it in a way that does not put the story on a pedestal. It uses the story concept and then fits it into their, like, pseudo-New 52 continuity for their their animated films right now. And so that's why I would say there is no storyline I would not want to see adapted because I feel the nature of a good adaptation could make any storyline work as long as it's adapted properly for the capsule it's going to live in. Um, mm-hmm. And for comic storylines, that's almost always going to happen unless it is like a, a legit one-off graphic novel. So I honestly can't tell you one that I would not ever want to see adapted because I feel like every single one that I could name – if reworked properly, uh, could make for a good adaption. And if one's going to say to me, what about one where they don't rework it? Then I'd be like, well, then none of them will work. <laughs> you have to rework it slightly to make it work as a, as a directed DVD film. So, um, that's, uh, that's where I'm coming from. This is after I stared at this question for a good, like 15 minutes racking my brain. And I was just like, even nefarious, I was like, to be honest, I feel like there's like nefarious would only gain, by being adapted because someone would go like, Oh, this is kind of messy. Let's make this cooler. <laughs> you know, let's use, let's take the bullet points of this, throw half of them out and just make a neat live action movie universe story. Um, so anyway, that's, that's where I'm coming from on that. I hope we answered your question though, Alec. Uh, cause now we're going to move on to some other animation. Uh, you guys, Aaron, TJ on May 1st, are you prepared to return to the game of Thrones of animation? Oh god, that quote. Just a sucking intake of air there. That's that's a good reaction. Power of the Primes, the final chapter in Machinima's Transformers trilogy is coming in hot. Um it is going to start on Tuesday, May the 1st. I guess we'll find out then where everyone gets to watch it as that seems to be the adventure of the Machinima cartoons for the first week and a half. Um We've also found out uh, that Sludge will be in it and Frank Totoro, who had been doing a killer job with Starscream in these uh, Machinima productions, is going to be doing uh, yeah, it's Sludge. It's the, it's the Brontosaurus. Um, 
And this is also the one where they're going to have like Samoa Joe in it as Predaking, and then they they had a bunch of other name drop folks. Uh, so I I need to finish watching titans return i didn't i i got seven episodes in and then i kind of wanted to do something else um so i'm going to go through those last episodes before the end of the month and probably post seven episodes further than i ever got i'm gonna post a lot of clips on twitter when i do uh most probably okay, just just the one thing i need to be kept up on is if the tink tink sound I, is still in there not, as, so, as yeah someone who finished son the of series a... The, the, what's 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 the point? The t- the you you want to know what's, what's even more what's maddening is that the, is the, um, the mistress has a full on fight scene, and by then the tink tink is gone. They just what? they they, rem- they do, do do they do they not understand what their target audience is? Well, they gave her something better. Do they do they not understand what the demo? They gave is? me though. They, so yeah, the demo is for her is audio memes and what they gave me for her instead i put up the because tw- like, i watched that episode like months ago but they they gave her a point where she kind of just you know with the with the the awkward timing of a lot of the editing on that on these series where it's just the mistress of flame kind of is going like Hurrah! like standing in place pointing at something <laughs> and it's like i don't know i i just used that and i went like mistress of, Fra- of flame found out they're doing a third one of these and she's like Hurrah! like yelling off screen uh anyway i uh, just wanted to give you guys the heads up in case you're aaron you better uh you better power on through that thing before i finish it so you can say you got through it before i did no there's there's not that much initiative in there oh. uh, tj are you psyched <laughs> Smoa joe is gonna be in it so i'm morbidly curious just because it's like Samoa Joe and Mark Hamill and Jason David Frank and why 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 are all my victims colliding here? I don't think you need to be excited about Jason David Frank because we already heard him. He he did a better job portraying Lord Draken in that great teaser for Shattered Grid, uh, which there's like ten times as much behind the scenes footage of than the actual teaser. Yes, um, that was a good teaser. Uh, the amount of behind you the guys, scenes footage is is kind of like it. It seems pure. It seems like just people genuinely excited, which I sort of love. Well, yeah, but it, it also feels like we spent a ton of money on this, and we didn't show you like maybe like a third. You know, like at least we didn't show you two thirds of the stuff that we spent money on. Seventy percent of our costumes were fuzzy in the background. <laughs> uh, I I expect there that they are. There are gears in motion realizing that there is stuff to be done with all of those assets, and I'm sure we haven't seen the last of those assets. Um, Because that was a good teaser. That teaser is part of what got me to, like, uh, that and also being stuck on a terrible flight got me to just barrel through 25 issues of Boom Studios Power Rangers comic book, which is an excellent comic book, and everyone should be reading it. It's really good. Yeah. I, I don't know who told them that a Power Ranger comic was allowed to be good, but good on you. The fact... I, you know what? I'm happy to go off topic in this one. The fact that they spent time... Like, okay, you know how how the IDW books, especially Marguerite Scott's stuff, like, catered straight to me by going like, hey, what if we talk about uh, a council and multiple Transformers homeworlds and non-aligned Transformers and uh, Transformers politics and it was in world building. It was like just like friggin' just slapping bills on the table in front of me as a bribe. 
the one thing a Power Rangers book could do in that vein is focus on Finster. And guess what the frigging Power Rangers book does for, like, uh-huh. four issues? Uh-huh. My god! I was so, like... And then the names of those monsters were, like, fine art. <laughs> like, like perfect. And, like, frigging... What was his name? Uh, Sheeple? The the conspiracy theory sheep warlord who screams stuff like there's only one Olsen twin and the world is flat? And he's just screaming that, going, hear me, my sheeple! Hear the voice of sheeple! is so good. And what was the... There was a, a bird, like an electric bird. I took a photo of it. I can't remember the name now because I'm, I'm still all Transformers-y in my brain. Uh... Damn it. I need to look at my phone. I took a picture. Anyway, Aaron, are we selling you on this book at all? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to leave you in the cold. No. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds interesting, but I've, I mean, <clears throat> we really I, should I am be. keeping myself entertained with uh, previews for the game that I'm going to get lost in in a couple days. You, you, so. also, you also have, like, a whole pile of Transformers comics to catch up on. Nudge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't take it. I took a photo of something else. I took a photo of a bunch of Finster panels because they were great. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. The voice of... Have you come to hear the... the vo- Apollo landing wasn't... Re- oh, yeah, okay. So Sheeple... So Sheeple, he's a sheep monster with an Illuminati eyeball triangle emblazoned on his chest armor and, like, a visor over his eyes so he can't see. And all of his E's are prolonged because he's a sheep. So he's like, the Apollo landing wasn't real. It's great. Earth <laughs> is flat. Uh, anyway, Boom Studios, Power Rangers. Excellent. Excellent comics. Way better than that has any right to be. And like, and then they, they had like a two page conversation between Finster and Saba the Talking Dagger that basically delved into Finster's motivations for being a generally quiet and peaceful monster who just likes to bring things to life. And you're like, when I was a kid, I was like, why is he working with this cackling crazy space witch? And then they kind of explained it and also made him a lot scarier. And I, yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop going on this tangent. But yeah, TJ, you get it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know I'm with I'm you at. here. Um, and that is how we're going to talk about uh, Power of the Primes from Machinima. Check it out, May 1st, if you want to. Um... We've got another listener question. Uh, this comes from DJoker13X. And, uh... DJ, would you like to read this one? Really think about that hard? There's only two people you can throw to. I was just looking looking yeah. at all the questions, and I forgot that there was, like, a really long one I wanted to read, and it's not this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, people of the Podcastopolis. This is Devin writing in for the second time. Recently, I purchased my first third-party TF in the form of the Glacial Lord set, thanks to finding out about them via Vangelis, and watched the playlist a few times in anticipation until I got them. Thank and I you. Love, and I love everything about them, except for the fact Retro Future only got to exist for these five. What's a, what's a toy line, TF third-party or otherwise, that you loved everything about, but unfortunately ended too soon? Bonus quickie question, what's your favorite size class in terms of fun? For me, it is a tie between Legends and Voyagers. Love pocket guys, but also like the size and chunk of Voyagers. Thanks for your time and answers, Gashoon. P.S. Prayers for July, Chris, and his endeavors for the 10-year-old, uh, 10-year anniversary episode. Ah, screw July, Chris, he's not me. 
Uh, I have a bunch of answers to this, actually. I even have an answer to DJoker13X's personal answer. But before I go into all of that, um, Aaron, what is your answer to this question? Um, what's a, t- a TF line that you wish had gone on longer, be it unofficial or otherwise? Hmm. Man, the classics generations line. Yeah, like the it's, the, the less guided like, one in a way. Yeah, yeah, the one that was just like, hey, we'll pick out transformers from mostly you know the 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 hits that you remember not i mean it never even terribly went for a theme because we got beast wars and and stuff in there too and it was just like we're gonna make a good transformer where the gimmick is being a good transformer like to me it's the ones that didn't have a unifying (sighs) line-wide thing yeah yeah it was like we're gonna make a good toy how's that sound yeah, I, as much as I like the unified line-wide stuff, like you know, it, it, going back yeah. even to Combiner Wars, all it takes is that it doesn't the gimmick doesn't connect with you, and now you're suddenly not in the collector line for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you yeah. know, feel bad for folks. <laughs> yeah, there is there is something very freeing about seeing the creativity that and like just the ones that the designers want to come up with, like in the middle of a line full of vehicles, we go, hey guys, here's a Rhinox for you. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Uh, it was like the Rhinox, and then like, oh yeah, and it was Cheetor as well. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like the less said about the Cheetor, maybe. Um, Cheetor yeah. was from a different era. We don't have to acknowledge him. That is correct. Um, well, TJ, what about you? What's a line that you kind of wish stuck around? Uh, I'm... There's a lot cycling through my brain. It seems like all the ones that got canceled for me got canceled for the right reasons. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with I'm, I'm kind of with that idea of the of the uh, the classics generations line. I I'd almost just say uh, just classics, just straight up, just don't shove a gimmick into it. Just make it a really solid incarnation of the character. Hmm. But like. The kind of lines that part of me wishes kept going are some of those misfit lines like Titanium. Strangely enough, because Titanium produced... Titanium was this really weird thing where it produced either like really clunky and non-functioning Transformers or mm-hmm. really surprising ones. Like, okay, your original Titanium Megatron is still like what I would call the worst Transformer ever made. But then they made this really nice deluxe-sized R.I.D. Optimus that was really, really nice. And, like, there's actual potential here. And For me, it's I wish Titaniums had happened with better timing, where the legit Transformer teams could have worked on it. Yeah, that's another little, yeah, that's a little caveat of it. Like, it's less that I wish that it had gone on and more that I wish it had happened when, like, the right folks could have been handling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, said, I t- yeah. Well, yeah, like, part of why I almost stick up for that line is the same reason of, like, just that feeling of creative freedom it had. Like, they said, well, you have to make a Cheetor. And then the designer went, okay, I'll make Beast Machines. For yeah. no <laughs> apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, for me, for me, it's really it's uh, it, third party wise is the biggest one. It's fans project um, uh, function X because uh, they that that was a, a fascinating line. It got 
mired in whatever on earth went down over at fans project to make all their stuff get delayed for like a year and a half and they never did hardhead or some of the other really cool like the or ape face or uh you know like some of the cool cad model stuff that they they they'd figured out and you know mm-hmm. they, they they might still you know that stuff who knows uh how far along any of that stuff came um but it's i i wish it had just gotten to finish on its own time uh rather than sort of disappear you know and also the the final release in that line uh their highbrow browning 2 was just a, it was a compromised figure where stuff was done at the wrong sizes and uh the figure ended up just being fairly weak uh, as part of the ensemble like it's a cool figure on its own but like it just doesn't look right with the other ones in some ways and the headmaster is the wrong size um so it's it's not how i wanted to see function x end up you know i wanted to see function x hit the the major headmasters and then maybe take a break uh, official wise my my biggest thing is i just i sort of i still miss the reveal the shield era scouts i feel like we've got toys similar to them in legends and deluxe but it's never quite the same um speaking of which uh aaron what's what, what would you say your favorite size class tends to be uh i think generally it, it drops between uh deluxe and voyager hmm that has um at least for for mainline stuff that's about the right amount of uh, fun and build and play to cost ratio. I mean, I've got a toy right here that we'll talk about later that I really like. It's bigger than that, but <clears throat> at a certain point, it, it like some things just become too big, mm-hmm. and so and it seems like in those cases, the size doesn't necessarily generate more quality. It just generates more size. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> um and tj what about you what's your favorite uh size class um i i want to say voyager it, it it feels like a lot of my favorite figures tend to end up be at that size and i part of me almost thinks it goes back to just it feels right because that's how big my child brain thought transformers always were mm-hmm. like there's a certain hand to toy proportion ratio that my brain accepts as nostalgic. Ah, uh, yes, the H T T uh, R. Yeah, that classic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For me, the way so this is how I react to, to both your guys' answers and and D Joker's answers is like, I feel like Deluxe and Voyager kind of pass the ball between each other from line to line. Uh, it's always like either the, the Deluxes are great or the Voyagers are great. Sometimes both, but. Um, I find often when one side is really good, the other side is the one where I'm like, oh, I wish this was more like the, you know, X. Uh, Perfect Case in Point Studio Series is one where the Voyagers are kicking ass and the Deluxes are the ones who are kind of struggling. Um, and then there there have been times where I felt, you know, the other way around. Like, I think uh, Prime R.I.D., the Deluxes were kicking ass and the Voyagers were really struggling to figure out exactly what they want to do, especially during the, the period when they all had those uh, kind of dumb LED-laden uh sliding automorph weapons that never quite worked um so anyway hope that answered your question uh d joker 13 x uh, um we've got one last bit of news you know on the topic of things that i thought i'd never see again turns out i'm gonna see one of them uh fans projects monstructor colored release of saurus ryuo is coming out 
uh, as a gift set called Beastructor. Uh, so this is a third-party Dino King recolored into a third-party Monstructor with uh, what appears to be a new combined robot head that has a slightly IDW-esque uh, set of jaws. Um, the colors are all the Monstructor colors that many love, the, the neon explosion. And uh, some of these figures are very clearly not quite done, um, where some of them are, in fact, not even painted. Uh, the the one bummer about this for me, though, is the price. The price is like, uh, what is it, like 350 360 which is basically the cost of, uh, yeah, 350 It's basically the cost of you know, getting all of these guys at their base retail prices. It's just that their base retail prices were the worst thing about the set of figures. They were very strong deluxe size figures, in my opinion, uh, except for the part where they also tended to cost 60 US dollars a piece. And as someone who strives constantly to make excuses for expensive prices for toys, depending on who's making them and uh, what the numbers are like for, you know, what, what the likely, you know, amount produced, etc., uh, is... I was never able to figure out precisely why some of these guys cost 60 bucks, except for the part where they are laden with ratchet joints um, for their somewhat small size. Um, so maybe it's a parts count thing, but yeah, 350 bucks is rough and I don't blame anyone who gets turned away by that part of this equation. Uh, I'm still thinking about it. And obviously these will, these will probably make the rounds during the conventions and that may be uh, a thing that sways myself or other folks like seeing it in person. Um, Aaron, did you ever have any interest in a, in a monstructor of a large scale? Not really. Hmm. Yeah, not really. Your uh, your dream wasn't one of the things you wished for as a kid. Like, yeah, I want to. I want to work with helicopters, and I want there to be a large monstructor. Said Baby Aaron. Sure. All right, I knew I was right. Uh, hey TJ, what about you? You got any interest in a in a monstructor? Um, only one sixth of it because oh. at, yeah, this is where the gift set thing is killing me because I had an ice pick as a kid and there's part of me that would really love to pick up an articulated <laughs> ice pick. And like, uh, yeah, I dare say the likelihood of you getting to get someone to parts you out an ice pick from this is very small. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's got to be someone out there yeah. who wants a one-legged Monstructor. I someone. hate two-legged Monstructor. Who is going to buy my Ice Pick? Now, the worst part is when because Ice Pick is also I suck at these guys' names, but he like he wants to sell you the other leg. He's oh, like, yeah, <laughs> I'll sell you the yellow and purple one. Um, yeah, I uh, I want to see how this thing turns out. I I hope that the new head uh, retooling looks good in person. Um. It would have been great if they had at least tried to cludge out a way to get some little arms to stick out from the torso to 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 pop some more IDW. Like you can kind of fan mode stuff around a little bit, but it's the thing about Saurus Ryuo is that he his combination is oddly specific. Uh and I, I find with him like there there wasn't a lot of there is some wiggle room, but then like I feel it sort of it undoes a little bit of the stability. I haven't messed with him a ton, um, but you know, I'll see how it turns out. Uh, I just wanted to get the news out there because I know this is this has always been bopping around ever since that Dino King first made the rounds. Um, but that brings us to uh, one more listener question. This one's from Cowardly Zebra. Um, and Aaron, I'm going to throw this one uh, to you to narrate for us. Okay. Again, such a long delay. I don't know if 
You're going back, forth, back, forth. You, you knew Lupus had... isn't here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very sad and confusing, and it's only been, what, four years? It's very sad and confusing <clears throat> is the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> uh, all right. Cowardly Zebra on March 20th. It's a zebra, actually. Uh, it's... 2018. It's, it's Zebra. Two-thirds two of us are south of the imaginary line there don't you know <laughs> also no uh, canadians ever going to so, defend me saying zebra <laughs> yeah uh hello podcasters i am cowardly zebra and i've been listening for the past five or six years and never wrote in because i really had nothing to ask but this just popped in my head i've noticed a lot of people in the fandom at least the discords really like ocs example rung or riptide And I wanted to see why you think that is and what your personal opinions are on OCs. I thought it was possibly due to them being in the spotlight when existing characters haven't had any yet, especially when, uh, especially seen with Anode and Lug. Uh, And another note, what is your opinion on the current state of IDW and the community's loss of faith in the company? I still love it, but I don't, but I know a lot don't anymore. That's all I had to ask. Thanks for all the great years of podcasting and laughs. Click. Did you say dislike OCs? Because that's what the question said, and I thought I heard you say like OCs. Really dislike OCs. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought that's what I said. Yeah, why did... There's a lot of people in the fandom, at least the Discords, really dislike OCs. Okay. Uh, I think it might have been the dis- Discords. Oh, yeah, they kind of... They in front of it, that just like... Canceled out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like two lefts is a... U-turn. Well, uh, three lefts is a right. I had a quick answer to that first part, which is like, and it's 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 a quick answer in that it's not it's not saying this is what everyone is doing, but it's in my experience what a lot of people do. It's kind of like you hear a lot of people around you on the internet talk about how bad <clears throat> OCs original characters are, and so when someone says, "What do you think of this OC?" and then you hear a bunch of people go like, "Ah, OCs," maybe you end up going like, "Ah, OCs." And uh, I'm not saying that's where everyone's coming from, but I think that at least a chunk of the noise comes from there. Kind of like how I got suckered in for a good long while of being like, oh, yeah, Tumblr. Because, um, you know, you just hear a bunch of other people say it. Uh, you you listen to the word of sheeple. But I don't know. Like, Do you guys have any other answers to this? Um, I think some of it may come from... Uh, as dumb as it sounds, the not my whatever. Oh, absolutely. It's a, I want I want to <laughs> clarify having a not my reaction. Like as long as you own it, it's fine. You're yeah. not a bad person. I do it all the time. <laughs> um, I I think that's where uh a chunk of it comes from. That's not you know I've got my favorite thing. Why isn't my favorite thing getting the spotlight when this other thing is? And that's. I mean, I can, I can understand like the gut feel of that. Like, hey, because I'd rather my favorite thing be the thing that gets the TV show, not this other thing that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But some like, I think that that also leads you into the corner of I'm not going to even look at this thing because it's not exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of folks who, you know, want to have an engaged conversation about the comics are at least, like, reading them to some degree. Um, Uh, You know. That's the benefit of the doubt I give. Uh, I don't know, before I expand on that too much, TJ, did you have anything else to add in for why some folks are just not into the original character aspect of some comics? Or etc.? Unless I missed, uh, what, where even in here do we say anything to each other? 
Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we can type right in the like the podcast list. Oh yeah, we can. Like, I forgot the Discord. It's a separate little channel. That's <laughs> that's the thing there. That's that's like part of what Discord is. Yeah. Uh, no, but here, here's the thing. Um, they're all OCs. Every single one of them. It's just a matter of when they were an OC. Mm. Like Starscream is was an OC in 1984. No, oh, he's been yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're all originals. Like I don't find I don't like I don't have any issue with new blood coming in, especially if they're delivering something that we haven't gotten before. You know, like you know I, you know like uh, you know we we've got things in IDW like well uh, how about a pair of auto like how about a pair of Autobot girls who are thieves, like okay. Uh, didn't have that before. Thank you very much. Um, it comes from a point of, you know, we want to see our favorite characters, the characters we grew up with or who we identify with as, you know, our Transformers, get that kind of attention. There is an offense to some people when they have, uh, like, someone completely new taking up what they feel is that character's spot. Or, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this is time devoted to someone. I would rather them devote time to someone else. You know, me, as a Blitzwing fan, I'm not a fan of him just being decapitated somewhere in, you know, in a warehouse. I mean, that's all going to be over soon. Well, well, yes. <laughs> so, you know, he'll... True. <laughs> it'll all be very over soon. <laughs> There'll be a universe out there where he's always in the warehouse. Blitzwi- Blitzwing is the one guy who's super cool with the end of the IDW universe. He's yeah. like, no... Nah, no, it's neat. Right. I'm kind of tired of hanging here. <laughs> oh, thank God. We're getting rebooted. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the, the concept of OCs is fine. And I would say that a good chunk of Transformers portrayals in IDW um, are expanding upon classic concepts, but in a way where, to me, that's it's it's borderline. They're, they're kind of an OC, but they just happen to be wearing the, the face and identity and background of a character, you know? I don't know. Like... Uh, IDW Swerve being a big example, like he's he's a lot more IDW Swerve than he is good old Swerve, that Autobot we all know and love. Except literally, no one says that because <laughs> Swerve barely did anything ever uh, in in older media. So I, I've never had a problem with OCs. Also, because a lot of them end up like really ringing true with me. Like I, I like Rung, I like Riptide, I, I love a- Aileron. Uh, I'm way into Star Drive. Uh, Centurion is still my boy, even if we're never going to see him again. He's still one of my favorites. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, I, I, going off of that, um, the the whole part about the current state of IDW and the community's loss of faith in the company. I want to point out that really is just sort of depending on who you look at as your community. Like, I know that there's often a lot of noise on parts of the message board that hate IDW. Uh, Then I go to some of the threads and it's full of people who are enjoying stuff. I go on Twitter and there's a mixture of love and ambivalence and then a couple folks who aren't into it. I I think it's really just as it always has been. Like, I don't think there's been any um, community-wide loss of faith that I'm aware of or would feel I have a reaction to. Um and then, like, you know, you sent this in March 20, so it's not quite, like, timely with this answer. But I also, I'll, I'll also say that now, on April 23rd, it's a little bit of a moot point because we're, we're entering into the final stage of it anyway. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know where some folks come from when they talk about the comics, uh, except that a lot of folks are looking at it month to month. And I tend to look at it more story arc to story arc. So if, like, between two months, I'm not super happy. Um 
I'll just leave it alone and see if things get better the next month. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. The only time I've really been mad is the way that Cup was handled, and that was entirely because of the way the editorial handled it, uh, less so the actual story. I, I felt the story was fine. Um in in how like i also I'm, I'm behind an issue or two on it i think unless it's just been slow coming out but i didn't think the story or the writer was the problem with cup i think that the problem was the like three and a half pages of unrelated editorial stuff afterwards that made it all a hundred times more awkward along with going around and doing like a press tour on on all the news sites of going like fan favorite beloved character cup dies after 10 years of history in idw and it's like now this just feels really weird and it feels incredibly mm-hmm. forced by people who aren't writing the book. Um, but uh, like we need an event. Yeah. And, we need an event. Oh, cup dying wasn't enough of an event. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we need, we need people to pay attention to this visionaries crossover. Let's kill somebody. Yeah. And, and you know, especially when, uh, when, when the writer was like on Twitter going like, yeah, I didn't actually like go in going like, I'm going to kill cup. It's like, that was something that was presented to me as an idea. And I'm like, okay, so that this is this is highly editorial, <laughs> um, not 100, percent but you know, highly. What you're saying is, I can choose to do what I want to do as long as it includes killing Cup, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't mean to dis to dismiss the notion that there's a loss of faith in IDW because I've seen friends kind of come and go from the comic book. You know, I've got some friends who just don't like where it went when I felt it got really good, and so the conversation I have with them is fairly short because it's literally. Our tastes ended up being incredibly different, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't really know how to respond to that question other than to say, if you do really like it, and maybe I don't know if you're bummed out, feeling like you're surrounded by folks who don't like it, go seek out folks who still like it. There's plenty, um, and uh, I, I mean, speaking for myself. I'm now actually kind of hyped for the Unicron event as of the last two issues of Optimus Prime as written by John Barber because John Barber John Barber has like activated uh peak John Barber has begun. Did did I Aaron are you still behind? Uh a bit. You yeah. need to catch up to Optimus Prime issues 17 and 18 and you need to read them back to back. They they okay. came out quote unquote accidentally on the same Wednesday due to some scheduling stuff. I feel like issue 17 wouldn't have been as good if I didn't have issue 18 to roll right into. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm just going to say that that okay. was one of the biggest hype moments for me in a while. Um, yeah. And then I, in the... Oh, good, good. I was, I was, I was going to say, I would absolutely agree with that more to the point. Uh, I think 18 fall, would uh, fall flat if you didn't come right hot off of 17. Yeah, I, I saw myself immediately. Like, if I had a month between those two, I would have spent a month talking myself into not liking 17. Um, oh, okay, I'll I'll take your word for it. I'll try and get over to the comic shop and clear out my inbox. Yeah, yeah, do do it. Also, catch up on Lost Light because at the same on the same Wednesday, uh, was it Lost Light eighteen? Was the last one? Uh, I can't remember the. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, that one also is kind of moving into this weird high gear where they the thing they're doing is they're answering some of those questions we would always have of like how is IDW going to handle the notion of Transformers mythology. Since in 2013, with Dark Cybertron and and Hasbro tying the toy line aspect of it together, it kind of felt like the mythology has to be there now, in some way, like the whole original 13 thing. And now John Barber has like friggin' shown his hand, and I'm like, oh, you you had a very good idea. Um, we'll talk about that later. Uh, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm actually really hyped now for Unicron because I just feel like I feel like everyone still writing for Transformers is comfortably moving into their end games just the way they want to, and it feels really good to me. Uh, and going right off of that, we got a little update on what's going to happen after uh, the current IDW universe uh, comes to its. Uh, I was going to say conducted, but comes to its calculated close. Uh, James Roberts has said on Twitter that uh, after the end of Lost Light, he will be taking a step back from Transformers. Um, a lot of folks were like, oh, no. Uh, and I like James Roberts a lot. Having said that, that seems like a really good idea. Um, he has been working on this book without end since, uh, what, even before More Than Meets the Eye, he did some writing uh, off and on for the ongoing. But if you just take More Than Meets the Eye into account... He has been writing a monthly book since, like, what, 2011? Mm, yeah. So I think any writer <laughs> who just finishes the grand finale of their, like, friggin' seven, eight-year-long story probably should take a break. Uh, if only because whatever... If he wrote, like, issue one of whatever Transformers comics are after the end of, of Unicron... That issue would be held to such a ridiculous standard that it would never be able to meet that this this is, like, entirely for the better, in my opinion. Um, and also, as I said many times, a lot of these Transformers writers who are really good, like, they have interests outside of Transformers. And I hate saying it, but if you only write Transformers comic books, that is a kind of a ceiling, you know? Like, there's... There's, there's nowhere really to go to from there, and a lot of writers tend to want to do more than just one thing. So, I don't know. It's, I'm not optimistic necessarily, but one of my hopes for this rebooted universe idea... I keep, the word reboot is so, like... Because it's a calculated end, I just feel like reboot isn't the right word, but we don't really have a better word. But one of my hopes for new IDW was that it would be a new creative team guided by one or two folks who wrote for the previous version of IDW um, and all in the right, you know, the, the same kind of spirit, you know, with, with not the same universe, not the same rules, but the same good intentions. Um, and this is kind of part of that calculation is that, you know, at least one of the, the more prolific writers needs to take a break. And also if anyone was going to stay on for the, for the next round, I would want it to be John Barber because that dude is a machine for, for just like weaving it all together. And I kind of want that force to be there. Issue one of whatever comes next. Uh, not necessarily if it, you know, for writing, but at least in a, in an editorial or, um, advisory position. So anyway, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, now that I've talked for eight years, um, Aaron, how are you feeling about this news? Uh, I can understand wanting to take a step back from things. That's that's a lot of work, and maybe you know, just your your mojo starts getting ran out. Mm. That's a good way to put it. It's like, <laughs> the, I mean, also the hope is that he is going to like turn on the mojo adrenaline and go like 210% for these final issues such mm -hmm. that he would need to be entirely spent by the time they're done. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want there to be no, something left I can, over. I can, <laughs> I can, you know, understand just having run out of, uh, enthusiasm for a thing. Um, I, I've had that happen to some other hobbies along the way where I haven't had something that just keeps me, me wanting to come back to it and you know especially if that's a day-to-day -day job mm. 
you know, like, eh, maybe, maybe it's okay to like get out, get some air and, and come back at it maybe later. Yeah. And, uh, TJ, how are you taking, taking the news? Uh, well, it is a much deserved break from Transformers. Like, I'm not, like, there's no part of me that can begrudge what, uh, he's, you know, begrudge him for leaving after so long on one franchise. I mean, creatively, it's not a different thing in comic books to want to break from a particular franchise, so this is nothing unusual, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, for me, I feel like it's not just, uh, like, it's not just good for him because, you know, he's earned the brain, he's spent a long time telling Transformer stories, but in the wake of a relaunch, you want different ideas coming in. You want different vibes. And the same way we got things that naturally developed in the IDW uh, universe, you know, thing, you know, things like, uh, you know, uh, conjuncts and Dura and, you know, yeah. you know, concepts like that, that kind of just naturally developed. You don't want, uh, you don't want too much of that leaking in. Like there's like things like that. I want carried over. Like, I think that should be, like, in the Transformer lexicon, like, with Spark and Protoform and all the default things. Yeah. But you don't want you don't want so much of that flowing in that it just feels like, well, it's the same thing. It just feels the same. We're just started over. Yeah, no, like, yeah. I, I think it would, be, it would be nice in the short term, but not great in the long term if the first issues of new IDW just feel like more issues of the two current ongoings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like right now we've got a quality of comic that I can't really argue that. Like, I would love to see a little bit of that, you know, influence the beginning. Oh yeah. I I, 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 I don't want it to be worse. (laughs) Well, well, that's what it's for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'd like to start at a point where we can have more new concepts grow naturally without having, you know, one writer who might accidentally still be thinking about his old universe. Yeah, and I don't know, I, I also would like, my, my hope is I, I would like for the old universe to just be in the background and maybe a few years down the road, you know, its writers could return to it for like an annual or a one-shot, um, depending on how Unicron goes, of course. Um, Everyone's eaten. That'd be a weird ending. That'd be weird as the calculated ending. As it turns out, they're all like, you know what? We hate this. We've always hated this. And all of you, just like Unicron starts <laughs> speaking to the reader. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. It, it, uh, James Roberts is going to be around on Twitter, I'm pretty sure. And also, he hasn't said he's, like, leaving Transformers so much as he's just, like, he's not going to be there at the beginning of the new thing. Um, the future is unclear, as it always is. I would be amazed if IDW is not going to court him for some writing down the road, <laughs> given that he is the one who wrote the award-winning series. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess I can just end that on saying, Aaron, you need to get caught up for crying out loud. I know. I just comic shop moved across town and it's no longer a, Hey, I'll grab this on my way oh, home. Got, it's a, we got these things. Hey, I gotta go. We got these things called, called digital comics now. Yeah, um, I know. I know. I know. Just got to cross the line. Speaking of crossing the line, we got one more uh, listener question 
before we cross that finish line and move into the what we gots. This comes from Bioblade. Uh, dear WTF podcasters and that Vangelis guy that keeps showing up, I have two questions for you today. Question the first. As much as I love TFW and its sister sites, I find that the news they cover doesn't always hit all the points I wish they would. Over the past few years, I've become far too reliant on these sites and ended up missing out on some stuff that I would have loved to own simply because I had no idea they existed until it was far too late. The Digimon Tri-Digivice and Fall Boy, uh, Pip-Boy Proplicas that came out in recent years being prime examples. The Fall Boy... Let's cut in here. The Fallout Pip-Boy was... There was nothing you could have done. That thing disappeared. Uh... So don't worry about that one. I think that now people are finally regret selling theirs. So I think it's it's more floating around on the aftermarket. But no, that whether or not you knew about that coming out, unless you went to your local game stop and did a pre-order or whatever the phrase is, you were you're out of luck on that one. I think. Uh, question continues. What other websites or blogs would you recommend for news or reviews of products just outside the range of ours? Stuff like those miniature arcade machines I've heard you folks talking about. Exciting new Lego sets, Japanese figures, or collectibles. For instance, TFW and the sister sites, uh, sister sites tend to skip Figma's model kit, super robot toys, uh, and fun collectibles of items that aren't immediately recognizable to the average Western audience and several that are. I asked for suggestions on a toy forum, not naming names, but you can infer. And the thread was instantly deleted by a moderator, and I was bluntly told to go ask my friends on Twitter or Facebook, of which I have none who travel the same circles I do. Um, and here's the part where our answer to the question is going to be most probably the best way to get all this news is to go onto Twitter and follow all the people who talk about it all the time, because that's where I get all the news from. <laughs> uh, th- there's like the the coverage you get between TFW, Toy Arc, Toku Nation, um, Figures.com, and like all of the staple uh sites out there already is kind of it everything else tends to just get reported on like social media nowadays so that's kind of the, unfor- the the moderator was uh not off the ball um if you want figma news i see all my figma news when all the people i know, that i follow who collect figmas collectively do the retweet net of new figma pre-order is up um, and I mean, it's that also, I had to say like refresh the pre-order pages on retailer sites. Like that's all the stuff I do uh, websites for up-to-date news. You got to find the specialized ones. And if if you can't find them, the specialized ones, everything they're reporting is also being reported on social media. So you just got to do some social media searches, like just pop Figma into the search bar now. And then that's what I do also for like Shodo news. For instance, I just look up Shodo writer with the Katakana, <laughs> Uh, at least that's my answer. Um, TJ, have you got any anything to throw on there? Like, where do you find your uh, fancy pants news? Uh, at the same place. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of times I just follow the company, which, you know, like I knew Nendoroid was doing something for like my favorite anime that never gets merch, so I followed them on Twitter. And guess what? When the pre order went up, I knew exactly when to go get it. That's good smile, right? That is good smile. Yeah, good smile is active on Twitter. Um, I see them get retweeted a lot. So yeah, specifically if you really want Figma news, like Good Smile, not only do they post Figma news, but like they post in-house preview blogs of Nendos and Figmas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, like it's you should probably get Twitter. <laughs> um, Aaron, for you, I am going to ask the follow-up question, which is. How do you deal with site mods who are being, let's just say, difficult for the sake of politeness, Aaron? Um, 
So I'll actually answer the first part of the question in a different way. <laughs> this is a site that you guys did being difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a site mod being difficult my part to not, the question. <laughs> and not uh, trying to help out. Um, if if that doesn't work quite so much for you, there's also stuff like find a subreddit or find uh, you know something else. I forgot you know. Reddit exists. I've been on Reddit for the last yeah. like three days looking up Magic the Gathering. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Um. So you could find you know find the the fallout subreddit or a fallout four subreddit you know things that would that you would be interested in follow some of those other you know other channels and then that way you can do a good job of trying to keep up yourself and you know just hitting it occasionally and you might come across that like oh hey here's this thing that i may not have otherwise seen um you know, do a good job of of spreading your own net wide to try and help out on that stuff. Because if you try, um, you know, only doing one one route, it won't be uh, you know so surprising when you know it doesn't come about. That's also just not our internet anymore. Uh, the internet is no longer. I have my one stop news site I go to for yeah for yeah. all my stuff. Uh, the internet is a big social media blob um, mm-hmm. that is constantly shifting, constantly changing. Uh, but the upside is everything has search bars, uh, so use those. But Aaron, what do I do when I'm trying to go into the movie forum and start a nice, innocent thread about how the movies are great and all y'all who You're don't like them... You're in their house, abide by their rules, man. Well, how do I deal with it when I got like some, some AKSMTH moderator coming all up in my jazz... Being all like, hey, you posted that thread twice already. And I'm like, yeah, well, people didn't reply and the message needs to be heard. What do I? Hey, you're in somebody else's house, man. Wipe your feet, take off your shoes, do what they ask you to do. Generally, the rules aren't that bad. And if the rules do get that bad, find somebody else's house to go to. Like I was saying, the the Internet has rather moved towards a more mixed social media approach to just about everything. Uh... I mean, I don't even think there's people who are like, I don't even use Twitter. I use insert thing. Just figure out what all your friends are on. And then if you don't have mm-hmm. a toy news network uh, of, of, you know, reblogs or retweets or whatever happening there, be the one who starts it. Because uh, all it takes is one. Whoop. I was just squeezing a super glue bottle and it flew out of my hand. Luckily, not what? into my drink. No, no. I don't I don't want to know why you're squeezing a super glue bottle in the middle of a podcast. Uh would you believe No, no, I told you I don't want to know. <laughs> would you well, we're gonna, no, it's gonna come no, up I would anyway. Not believe. It's gonna come no. up anyway in a few minutes. <laughs> but uh now I lost my point. <laughs> that really took me by surprise. Um but yeah, uh, going on to question number two. Uh, after the recent, uh, as of March 31st, um, death of the Superhero Time podcast, may it rest in peace, uh, Bioblade says, I have found a massive hole in my podcast lineup, pretty much leaving you fine folks and that Dragon Ball Z podcast you directed us to a few weeks back. Thanks for that. Absolutely loving it. Uh, do you have any suggestions? What podcast do you listen to? What sort of stuff do they talk about and why do you like them? Are there any podcasts you've heard uh, that are really good but never got around to checking out? Thanks again. Looking forward to hearing your response is bioblade out click um i am just going to say the giant beast cast is currently the greatest podcast uh in the known universe um they say as much at the start of every episode and who am i to argue uh 
Uh, it's my personal favorite podcast. It's the one that I make a point of listening to each week. Uh, it is a great smattering of hosts, uh, good flow, um, a nice sort of like positive, like for every negative tick, there's also a nice big positive tick. It's a real good, f- just dose of energy. Uh, and then when I run out of those, I've been going through friends at the tables, uh, counterweight game from 2015. Uh, it's, uh, it's a podcast where it's sort of episodic and it is a group of folks playing through a narrative RPG, um, in, in a podcast format that, uh, is, is primarily, it's that the GM, Austin Walker, is incredible. Uh, I heard him GM two little, like, Christmas specials on the Beast Cast uh, over the years and then I was like, I want to hear him do more. And Counterweight is really, really cool. So, uh, that's my other one I'm listening to. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Uh, the one that's good, they're generally short, like half hour chunks is 99% invisible. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast. Of, uh, it started out kind of as a podcast about design and like design choices that you, you wouldn't think about. And it's kind of turned into other things. Um, but it's always pretty, like a pretty interesting little chunk about like why things are the way they are in some instances. Um, it's like it's, it's motto is stop to read the plaque. So whenever you see like a plaque on the side of a building, you know, it's like kind of like that story Mm -hmm. of like, you know, why this thing is famous or why like the uh, what was like one of the ones that keyed it off was um, talking about the early San Francisco like land rush where there wasn't a whole lot of available land in San Francisco. And so what uh, enterprising people would do is if you had a ship tied up to a dock, then you could build off of that ship. And so, like, people would overload their ship so that it would hit into the silt and then build off around that and then that started like a land rush where they just like kept building like hulk ships or bringing in hulk ships to just fill out space because they needed space so bad and that was just one and episode like, of the podcast yeah and it just like sh- just roll some of those stories along about things it's pretty interesting nice uh tj what about you what's uh, what's your podcast lineup looking like you know, honestly, I'm not a big podcast guy. You know, most of my entertainment comes off of YouTube these days. So, like, if I'm listening to a podcast, it's usually something that just uh, part of it comes up in my feed that sounds interesting. Uh, Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes podcast does that a lot. That is uh, one, just to answer the other part of the question, that is definitely one that I keep hearing about that I just never make the time to listen to. But I, I do know it, yeah. it, like a lot of people talk that one up. Yeah, the, yeah. The wonderful thing they do now is uh, script reading from different cartoon characters, and that'll pop up on Twitter as little promotional blurbs every now and then. And those are usually fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like beyond that, I don't do much podcasting outside of the occasional wrestling things. So that's like Stone Cold and Chris Jericho and like Talk like- Jericho is great. I just, I it's another one where I never really make the time for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I listened to the woke the well at the time the broken Matt Hardy episode, which is incredible. Um, because Matt's in character for the whole thing. And yeah, the Stone Cold podcast I used to listen to a lot when I had a different transit route that I was going on. Mm. Um, I haven't listened to it for a little while, but uh, some of those yeah. wrestler podcasts are pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
just like just for like the weekly recap stuff, there's uh there's like WTR Sunday night mm-hmm. on wildtalkradio.com. Uh it's a little R rated, but you know, it's it's a really good show and may, may or may or not be a guy who sounds a lot like me who also goes by TG Omega, but like, oh, totally different guy. Oh jeez. Is that like the is he the TNA version of you? Uh, it stole my OC. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I hate OCs, so I'm glad. Um, I was gonna just as a quick follow up. What, like, just name one. What's a YouTube thing you tend to listen to, or you know, watch? I guess, or listen to. A lot of people listen to YouTube. I find. Hmm. Uh, God, it's a lot of a lot of achievement hunter these days. Hmm. Because they they generally keep a fairly entertaining podcast or a podcast. They keep a fairly entertaining content stream. Hmm. I always feel like it's almost an interchangeable, like, I mean, obviously this is an audio podcast and not a video one, but, like, as far as consumption, it's kind of like, the only thing that really sets us apart from a YouTube thing, I mean, yes, aside from the lack of video, is that, like, audio podcasts people listen to in transit, but outside of that, like, YouTube stuff, I find just, like, I use a lot of YouTube-like podcasts as well. So... Anyway, that was a weird, like, very myriad answer to a very simple question. And hopefully it helps, Bioblade. Um, also, you should check out this fine podcast, WTFTFW. It's a great podcast. It gives me laughs every week. I was just thinking of, while y'all were talking, I started chuckling again, thinking about that time when I said I shot superglue tube out of my hand, and Aaron started asking why, and then said, no, I don't want to know why, and then, like, really was like, I don't want to know still, why. I still don't want to know why. No. <laughs> I started laughing again, and I had to go away from the microphone. <laughs> um, Aaron's a good host. He's on that podcast. You should uh, check it out. Um, and I lost interest when Gogdog left. Yeah, I, it was it was hard, but like they started doing this thing where like like you know one of the hosts just starts like doing weird cartoonish stuff, hoping that Aaron will react, and then when he finally does, it's just, uh. speaking of which, Aaron, let's talk about what we got this week. Hey, uh, let's talk about Transformers we got this week first. And Aaron, you have one that has been weeks in the making. Yes, I got a leader blackout, and. I I approve. You approve? Yes. Um it it sure is uh the I think the thing that we've been waiting quite a while for. Um the only thing that I've had as an issue with the toy is that uh one of the pins that holds the blade in place decided to just like up and disappear. Oh jeez. For like half a day. So I had a five-bladed CH53E or CH53D, which is not a thing. Drop some knowledge. What would uh, happen if one of those had to fly around with five it, blades? It would be bad. Okay. It's they're they're balanced as a set, and you make sure all the blades have the same moment of balance. And if they don't, very bad things happen. With a capital V and a capital B. Is the capital V like for me? No, no, no. It. Had, it would go. Poorly. That means I'm not very not, bad. Not, not, as, Thank not you. as bad. Not as bad as the MythBusters. Like the the blades are a little bit more robust to being out of balance than like putting a poacher stamp on them. That wouldn't cause an issue. Just not missing a rotor blade all to, or just missing a rotor blade altogether would be very bad. 
Uh, you ever see? You ever see the like the videos of somebody throwing a brick in a washing machine or a dryer? I have not. And how it just like <laughs> ju- it just like starts jumping and tears itself apart. That's what I imagine a, hel- a helicopter short a uh, blade would be. But I don't know because that sounds like dumb enough of a thing that nobody would do it. Anyway, this toy. I'm gonna say, stay tuned for my new podcast where I take propeller blades mm. off of helicopters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like the only major joint that he's missing is a waist swivel and a wrist swivel and and, and a, yeah, I guess and a wrist swivel. You can you can kind of no, you can't at all really. Yeah, that should really be a swivel. Um, but no, I very much uh, am glad that we have have this toy now mm-hmm. uh, in this scale. With a uh, with a proud Sikorsky aircraft, uh, was kind of odd to not have the big uh, um, Lockheed Martin logos on it the way that the last one had the UTC logos on it. But hey, uh, changed in branding or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, the biggest thing that caught me off guard is just how complex his legs are. It has two or three of those like extraneous steps in order to get it to lose another 3% of its thickness or whatever to collapse all the way down and become the the crazy pogo parts through other parts that uh movie blackout's legs are. So I uh, I found blackout today. Uh yeah. and after everyone talked about how crazy his transformation was, it is a cool transformation. I didn't actually find it all that hard. I only found it hard because the instructions suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, Terrible. There's, there's that. They, they, they are. We're going to talk about this because this happened while we were talking. Current instructions really suck to the point where you might break a toy without because you don't. Especially with movie toys, it's not necessarily always clear on a movie toy how something's supposed to move. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has the, where his, um, his his shoulders, the panels are on. Like, they tab into the sides of his torso, right? Mm-hmm. That stuff. That those tabs are very tight out of the package. Mm-hmm. And I eventually busted out the spudger to get them loose because I was just like, I don't know if I'm supposed to pull on this. And the instructions are gibberish. So I spudged it and then it worked. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a couple of moments where in the transformation where it's a little bit more like try and work around what what are we supposed to be doing here? Yeah. Uh, I think it was not just that, but, um, oh, what was it? There's a part where it does like a double flip to it. Um, now I got to think about it here. I got to work them backwards. The, yeah, it is the, like the shoulder connection because it has to flip and then flip. And then you like take the junk under his arms plus his shoulder work to make the sponson. And all of that assembly that is a bit, a little bit gross, mm-hmm. but it's man, it's doable. Um, more the issue is I wish some of the secondary stuff tabbed together, like his, the way that the top deck kind of accordions together some to tighten up his backpack. I wish that some of those things, like connected, or connected better than what they do in uh, in which mode in in 
in in robot mode. oh yeah yeah because i was gonna say in helicopter mode the one nice thing is like some of the tabs are not like 100 percent strength out of the box but mm-hmm. like the helicopter mode does you know tab a lot um yeah, in robot mode it's, a, it's yeah. a little bit more like like I, i've only transformed him basically from robot to helicopter so far mm-hmm. and the robot mode there was a whole lot of it where i was like i don't actually know how much of this is just this is how he fits into the box and how much of this is this is the final robot mode mm-hmm. um yeah, because there, there was a bit of that, like, I'm trying to remember how he was in the box, because his, his back panel was all the way down, and was, like, his legs were a little funky. Yeah. I can't remember. Because also, his, like, actually, the robot mode part of, uh, that I really like is the way the legs have that slightly working hydraulic, like, uh-huh. the, the, the kind of double-hinged pipe um, going across his leg. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. Um, it's a great toy uh it's not like super posable but it's it's more posable than i was led to believe like really my biggest problem with him is the lack of a wrist swivel because he does so much and so much goes right and it's not even the lack of the wrist swivel it is the fact that he has a thumb joint and his wrists don't swivel and that they're palm mm-hmm. down because i'm like this thumb joint was unnecessary <laughs> and it's just it's just yeah. it's highlighting something that otherwise wasn't going to be a problem uh and that's like that's like my that's like I'm gonna hold on to that so I can always have like a gripe with the figure. <laughs> like the only other one is really like if you flip over the the helicopter mode, there is no under panel. Um, yeah, it's like a, but how many how many of our modern aircraft have like a complete enclosure? Oh, absolutely. I'm just like again, it's an it's an easy nitpick to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been kind of cool if like. You know the on the on the on the the very back part of the tail and that whole accordion thing. What mm-hmm. if attached to that was another accordion panel that just spread over the bottom of the helicopter mode to seal it up? Yeah, that'd be cool. Like I, I almost want to see a third party company try to do that, provided it could kind of integrate somehow. Like it just would be it'd be neat to just have all this accordioning stuff across the bottom. Um, yeah, but then you'd be like. Like I was, you know, the inside of the air air intake panels. That's sad that that's not filled in. Yeah. The uh, the the hinges that are visible. Well, how, how that, dare uh, they? That aren't working. Yeah. There's one other thing about him, which is I. There's nothing. He doesn't have like incorrect colors. But I wish that the either. The Sikorsky gray, as I'm going to call it, like, you know, the gray, the kind of blue gray of his of his vehicle mode. Uh-huh. I wish either that had some more luster or that the flat gray of his limb parts was darker. Uh, OK, he, so you're the the thing is, that is oh crap. Um, I actually had to write it two or three times. The actual mil spec color. Yeah for the exterior of this. Is, is it, is and it it's fully angering accurate? angering me that I can't remember. It's pert close. Okay. Like, it's it's probably as close as you're getting with a Pantone because it's, uh, um, it is the uh, CH uh, color scheme, not the MH color scheme. Um, it's the, the Sea Stallion, not the uh, Super Jolly Green Giant. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I can get what you're saying. Those two colors are real close to each other, then, and it'd be nice then, if then there was a it's separation. It's the flat gray. That, the flat gray, I would have liked to see uh, a couple shades darker. Because um, mm-hmm. also, it's it's too, it's too close to that particular flat gray that washes out detail. 
uh, and there's yeah. so much detail on the sculpt that uh, it, it it's 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 probably the biggest letdown for me is that part uh, more so than the wrist yeah. swivel thing. Um, like, what would you think if they d- like dipped all of the um, robot parts in something to give it like a ink wash? Oh, I mean, I almost want to try to do that because yeah, that I think that would be I hmm. actually I don't know if I'd want to see a factory version of that. Or just that that look on it, yeah, like that look for sure. Maybe not not from the factory, but take the existing thing and punch it. That or one way. of those plastic colors that has like a bit more of a natural luster and thus a natural self shading to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really color wise the only thing about him is he ends up in robot mode, looking um, I guess underpainted to some degree. Um, especially when you put him next to Grimlock. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the like the man, the helicopter mode is just so big. Like it feels, it reminds me of. Uh, it's not the same, but it reminds me of the um, that old mask toy that Miles Mayhem vehicle, uh, the big blue helicopter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's just a big long thing, and like even the like the Scorpionox storage is just so tight. Like it's like they they sized him so that if anyone ever did make a, an underside panel, like you could close it up and not have to worry about the Scorpionox part. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's a cool toy. It's uh, he's not. I, I would say that unless you are you are Aaron, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call this toy of the year material. But he's like super strong. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm very happy with him. Um, well, TJ, let's let's unless you got anything else about Blackout, you want to drop in, Aaron? No. All right, TJ, let's pop over to you. Did you get any on topic stuff this week? Uh, only a little bit. Uh, drop uh, me one of them because I got a few, so we can we can bop around. Well, well, there's oh little little to speak of either. So, uh, uh. no, went over to my favorite comic book shop, which is it takes an hour and a half to get to, but uh, really amazing place. Great little uh, wall of G one stuff. So I rescued a G one Mirage. Oh wow! How's the waste? Uh, intact. All right. <laughs> That's what I'll take. Uh No, like uh aside from the like the front end is really loose. Like if I pick up the vehicle mode, it, the front end just kind of falls down. So that mm. that that's worn out a little bit. But, you know, the waist is there, it's connected, it's in decent shape besides that. All the parts are there. Like anytime I get out there, I like to rescue something from their G1 collection and mm. I figure it's usually it's usually something that uh usually something that has avoided reissue for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah, Mirage never never managed to hit a reissue. No, no, like him and Sunstreaker and the Dinobots, I want to say are some of those molds that came up missing. Oh, yeah, the, the Dinobots definitely. Uh, I think were confirmed as like those molds are gone uh, mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and uh Mirage unfortunately not one of those characters who's likely to uh not likely to have an entire mold recasting like a G1 Soundwave. I think Soundwave is the only one who is ever going to get that. Yeah. Until until mm-hmm. it becomes cheaper to do because he's like he's he's basically Transformers more so than Optimus Prime to some folks and like no one else is going to get that treatment. But, well, he's the he's the Decepticon symbol. Like that's right. Like that's just a character is just too popular not to do that too. 
you're going to mm. be able to reissue that new casting over and over and over again. And they have. Yeah, and they, I was going to say, and they did. <laughs> and probably will do at least once more if they can. Mm. No, but Mirage is a nice little G1 toy. It's about as, you know, about as identifiable as just G1 engineering as there is. You know, pull out the arms, flip out, you know, stretch out the legs, take the waist. It, you know, all the all the familiar notes are there in one little toy, so it's 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 a it's a nice little thing just to just a little little time capsule of how toys used to be. Hmm. That's awesome. And like you know, finding a mirage who isn't snapped in half is not it's not like it's impossible, but it is certainly not like dead easy, especially at a local shop. So yeah, that's a good that's a good pull. Um. Well, I'm gonna hit the other Leader Studio Series toy because I also picked up Grimlock. Uh, who is, aside from his front skirt piece popping off its hinge really easily, uh, a super friggin' solid toy who... Blackout is is a more impactful release, but Grimlock is kind of a better toy, I think. Um, and also, I don't know what Grimlock did to get this, or how they did it necessarily, but he is covered in a pseudo-dry brush kind of greenish metallic paint um over a dark gray plastic and it looks frigging incredible in person and it makes him look it makes it look like either he is you're getting a really good deal when you buy him or it makes blackout look really bad as far as color work uh in the side by side um and blackout is like blackout is fine. It's just when you put him next to Grimlock, it's just like holy crap, they got the colors right on Grimlock, and it's 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 you don't have to buy Grimlock, but try to see one in person. Like he's also Grimlock is busting out of his box. Like he barely fits in the leader box in robot mode. Um, and I, again, I only transformed it basically to T Rex mode after I played with the with the robot mode a bit. Um, it's a cool transformation. Once again, you know sound that bell the instructions are are hot garbage um especially when they try to be more helpful and but they do it in an order that makes them even more confusing uh i'm i'm again really pleased i didn't break anything on grimlock trying to get him into robot mode or into t-rex mode um but yeah his transformation is super cool uh i like the uh age of extinction grimlock toys um the the voyager more so than the leader but i like those those figures and it, it's it's kind of interesting to still see this like kind of finalized take on how to transform him and they just do a lot of cool tricks like his his shoulder pads are a split t-rex head or his shoulder pads are not a split t-rex head he has a full top half of a t-rex head on each shoulder pad one of them folds up into part of the tail the other one is the actual t-rex head um, and then like one, instead of giving him a weapon, uh, they went, I guess, movie accurate. He only has one hand. His, his right hand is in fact, just a spiked mace. That is the tail folded up. Um, okay. But like, not in a, not in a, like a bad way. Like it all just, it kind of works. Um, yeah. I'm and also like, like his legs, when his legs go from robot to T, like robot legs to T-Rex legs, there's like a second knee joint that you, like pull back and then hyper extend forward to give make his legs not look like the robot legs trying to be T Rex legs. Um, he is well worth it in my opinion. The, the basically the Voyagers and leaders in Studio Series so far have knocked it out of the park 
in a way that makes me say they excuse the problems found in the deluxes. Um, if the deluxes... Well, okay. I don't mean to actually be speaking directly to TJ when I say this, but I just realized I kind of was. So, uh, leaving that part out, um, if the deluxes turned you off of Studio Series, I would kind of implore you to go and hit the Voyagers and Leaders. Uh, or at least get your hands on them. If you have a friend who's got them, try to get some hands-on time with them. It's To me, it's night and day. Uh, the, the Wave 1 deluxes feel like a different production run, if that makes any sense. Um... Anyway, I'm really happy with Grimlock. Like he, they got his head. He just he looks like like spooky. And then the the topper is on the back of his box for his little like story blurb. It's like after Grimlock finds his freedom, he unleashes Dinobot might. And I'm like, did we all watch the same movie? Uh, or did Optimus Prime write the back of this box? Because it's like after his enslavement by the Autobot leader, blah 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 blah. Um. Anyway, now I'm now I'm just messing with Grimlock. Uh, it's a good figure. Um, Aaron, how do I convince you to buy Grimlock before I move on? Um, provide me all the money up front that it would cost me to buy one. Let's say that I defer that to you. Okay. So then I won't be buying one. So how about you buy one right now? and then if you buying one makes us enough money to pay for it, then you get that money. No. All right. Well, I thought <clears throat> Aaron was a true fan. I guess I I guess I have to reassess that. The point. This skirt is actually kind of weird. The okay, the front skirt on Grimlock is his weak point. I don't. It doesn't seem to work quite right, ever. Mm. But you know, mood point. The rest of them is great. Um, speaking of which, Aaron, did you get any other Transformers this week? I did not. Oh, jeez. Uh, all right, TJ, have you got any other Transformers this week? Uh, another rescue from the comic book shop. Already. Uh, which in this case was Slam Dance. Ooh, that's the Autobot one, right? That's the Autobot one. Yes. So, I actually really tend to... I, I, I'm kind of surprised that this is the only time they ever tried, like, a vehicle cassette. Like, now that I think about it, like, those are these are the only two. I feel like if a cassette play pattern had stuck around, they probably would have... Well, I mean, they, now that I say that, it did stick around in the sense, it, but they yeah, went with yeah, dinosaurs. But, well, by stick around is, like, literally the longest running play pattern G1 did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's weird. They never did any other vehicles. Yeah, because like as little scouts or drones, it seems seems perfect. But yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're fun individually. Uh, mine are mostly weaponless. I've got one. I've got one gun for his arm, and then like the turret for the tank, the main turret gun for the tank. But yeah. you need the you need the other two guns to connect to it. Well, like, it does... It's 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 a little quest, right? It's a, yeah, it's a little little completionist quest. You know, they they had it was it was a forty dollar difference between this one and the one that was complete. And I'm like, no one will ever take the incomplete one. So, yeah, hmm. yeah, I don't I don't mind that so much. Give him a home. What I didn't realize because I had the other I have the other one. Hmm. Uh. Yeah. Squawk box. Squawk 
Squawk Box. Yeah. Like, I, I, I remember the individual names, and I could not – I could remember the amalgamation they went with. I always need a second for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like, he has the G1 basics of articulation, which is arms move up and down. Uh, did not realize that Slam Dance does not. He is very much brick in robot mode. Mm-hmm. So the arms go outward. That's pretty much it. But you know they're 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 unique figures in themselves. They are nice little uh, throwbacks. I'm happy with it. Yeah, and also like you know leaving out the 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 headmaster's ex- exclusive dino ones. There's only the two of them, and the dino yeah. ones also like barely resemble those two. So it's kind of like those those are a set of two. You know. Hmm. Um. Well, I uh, I got a couple other Studio Series figures. Uh, we had a Toys R Us sale, so I got Bumblebee and Ratchet. Uh, Ratchet is pretty good. He's a little bit jiggly, but not terrible. Great transformation. I didn't recognize the old deluxe Ratchet transformation until the spin that happens for his, like, head and arms. Uh, but there's a lot of... Much like with Voyager Starscream, there's a bunch of added tabs, I feel. Um that kind of fill in this transformation a bit. It's, it's very cool. Um, I, I, I rather like this ratchet. Um, he's not like perfect, but he's, he's a, he's a pretty good ratchet. Um, my bumblebee, my bumblebee feels okay. I'm trying to think how to, how to qualify this. Um, okay. When I say my bumblebee feels okay, what does that make you guys say like it's not garbage you have a top one percent bumblebee so i wouldn't call him top one percent because he does still have some pro- so okay i'm trying to because you guys you guys had a lot of problems with bumblebee and i think i recognize some of them so here's the problems mine has i popped his arm off to do the gun swap and the peg that goes into the sockets, so it goes into the gun so tightly that the elbow joint tends to come apart before the peg comes out, which, Aaron, I believe you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I've put his ro- his robot forearm back on, that fit seems to be a little bit too loose, and his robot forearm seems to fall off now and then. Um, the thing that should have a pin through it only comes apart for me when I'm going into vehicle mode at the very last step. Um, otherwise, it holds together. Uh, the joints, his legs don't fall apart. Like he, he actually poses decently. So mine does not fall apart when I'm working him in robot mode. And I only, again, I, I kind of just, tra- all these guys I opened up and transformed right before we started. Uh, I transformed him into vehicle mode, and I kind of liked the transformation a bunch. So I need to mess with him some more. But I'm like, I'm I'm feeling all kinds of mixed messages on this bumblebee because I know that he. Whoop! There goes the arm again. Uh, I know that he is probably the worst toy in the line. But I I would say that that's really a toss up between him and Crowbar. Uh, and yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like I got, like, a decent Bumblebee, but I also have problems with mine that I recognize from y'all's reports. Um, I feel like knowing how fragile he his build was has maybe also influenced me a bit in how I handle him. 
Um, I could definitely see that if you as a collector are not someone who's able to get a little bit light of touch with the figure, uh, you should stay away from this one. You have to be able to kid gloves this figure. Uh, and when I say kid gloves, I mean like treat it very delicately. Um, there's, there's points here where you, you've got to be able to do that. Otherwise I, I could see this being a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I don't hate the figure. I kind of, I kind of like it in some ways. It's just the, the build quality is a demonstrable, uh, failure in a lot of very key spots. Um, TJ, did you have any other transformers or was that just the two rescues? And just the two rescues. All right. I also picked up Masterpiece Movie Barricade from a fine local brand store called Toys R Us. It's a Canadian thing. Um, mm-hmm. You've heard of them. Yeah. So let me give you all the stuff before I get to the thing that happened uh, while we were recording. So uh, I transformed him. His car mode looks excellent. And I, I managed to transform him into robot mode. And this is... I'll say I've said this about other ones, but I'm going to for real say it for real here. This is probably the best barricade toy that's ever been made. Uh, he feels great. He feels a lot more like Bumblebee than Optimus Prime insofar as his transformation actually works and his car mode was in one piece. So I believe you can get it back to one piece. Uh, also, his transformation, you know how he so he has the gimmick where you can kind of make his mouth open and close um, you have to actually fold his jaw, uh, <laughs> I think, 90 degrees for the transformation. So you have to, like, fold his mouth down to an uncomfortable gape um, for how his head folds away. Um, and I figured out how to get the, the murder arm to attach. It actually is pretty clever. It's not just a tab like I thought, but there's a little, like, interlocking um, opposite pressure tab on the forearm. And it holds on pretty darn solid. And the arm comes with a clear display stand for when you're not using it, which is something I did not expect from from a Transformers Masterpiece item. So that's really cool. Posability is okay. Barricade always has the thing of a kind of weird-looking body. uh, But he's got a lot of the major points. He just doesn't have a a waist. Oh, no, he does have a waist swivel. It's just very limited. Um, And his his shoulders, it's a lot easier to move the non-ratchet joint that's for the transformation. Uh, rather than the ratchet joint uh, that's for posability. Here's here's okay. the thing, though. So I realized I never transformed his front grill. Um, and then I, so I was like, oh, I can fold this front thing down. And then there's uh, riveted hinges for these two things that get curvy on the sides of his flanks, like the, you know, the bumper parts. Um, and then so one of them works fine. The other one, when I tried to move it, the head, the flat disc shaped head of the rivet that was holding it on just sort of sloughed off of the rivet itself so you know how a rivet is like has got a cap and then a stick kind of thing Mm -hmm. the stem is still in there but the cap fell off and looking at it it looks like the rivet is just a bad rivet because it's metal so i can't have snapped it off that easily it looks like it was just a badly formed rivet anyway it's actually not a, a bit of a problem because the rivet is very much what's holding that piece on. The friction is not all that great without the rivet. So I think I need to take this barricade back and get a replacement. <laughs> and I'm not really looking forward to that. Um, they only had two other ones when I was there, so I might have to do that like tomorrow. Um, and hopefully that's all okay. I don't, I've never returned anything to Toys R Us. I don't even know if they like ask questions or check stuff or if it's just like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, one of them. Anyway, 
this is not i mean the rivet uh, this seems like it was a misfired rivet not misfired but a, a miscast rivet to some degree i think it would have survived if i had just folded the front of the bumper down and auto morphed the two things as i believe the function is meant to be you know why i'm saying i believe the function is meant to be aaron can you guess probably because the instructions are garbage because these instructions are actually the worst instructions i've seen all year to the point where I'm pretty sure they're responsible for a breakage on the toy to, to a certain degree. Um, this sucks, man. Like, uh, Barricade's instructions are indecipherable at points. Because you know how they do this thing where they're like, it says 90 degrees, 180 degrees, and it's them flipping their viewpoint of the CAD model? When mm-hmm. Barricade is half transformed, he doesn't look like anything from any angle. So when the instructions start jumping angles on you, you just can't tell what's happening. And and yeah. then when he is a because you know they use like a dark turned two hundred and seventy four degrees. Well, well, then they use a dark grayscale for a black car, and then there's little pieces moving around in very finely tuned motions. And it's like, all right, instead of being a black grayscale CAD image, this part of it's highlighted in dark, like, off-saturated purple. And I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what you're trying to tell me to do. And this is an actual breakable figure, because it's, you know, a high-end one. Um, Mm -hmm. So, find a video. Don't be like me. Don't try to do it quickly before a podcast. Find a video. Uh, cause these instructions are still terrible. Um, and that sucks because barricade is a good figure. I'm going to go get a replacement tomorrow if I can. Um, and then, uh, and then that'll be that. Uh, but yeah, like there's so much about him. That's just, it's, it's so cool to work this barricade because even to this day, I was never entirely sure how original barricades body was supposed to work. Because you never get a very good long look at him on screen. Still images of Transformers from, the, from especially the 07 movie, don't look all that much like anything. Um, and so it's just neat to have this solid working barricade. Like, there's even a step where his sirens on his roof split and revolve around just to be split and revolved around on his backpack. And I'm like, I never even noticed that in the movies. Um, hmm. Also, he has a, uh, what is it, a 3mm port on his backside in robot mode. So you can use, you know, a, a Tamashii stage with them. Um, yeah, great figure. I, I don't know about the price necessarily, but I also got MPM, Bumblebee, and Optimus for incredibly good deals. So I'm, I actually don't know how I feel about the price because I never paid full price for the other two. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, oh, there's one other really cool thing. You know how his his uh, rear wheels are also on the knuckles of his fists? Like he's got those tires, okay. like on the on the the knuckle side of his of his hands. Okay. Um, that actually all tabs together. He's got uh, a a little trifecta of angled tabs on his knuckles that tab into the like spokes of his rims. It's really cool and incredibly solid. Like I really like that part. Um. Anyway. It's all a little. It was a little bit dashed for a few minutes there because the frigging rivet broke. Because I, because etc. etc. But uh, yeah, I still really like this figure. I'm very happy with him. Um, and I believe that does it for my on topic. What I got this week's. So let's get off topic. Um, Aaron, hit me with some off topic if you got it. Um, off topic. Uh. <sighs> 
I went to Connecticut for a week. I had some good pizza. All right. At a, like a little hole in the wall place, and like we sat down, and three of the like five tables kind of around us are like, "Where are you guys from?" It's like Indiana. Why? How'd you find out about this place? It's like, oh, well, coworker, you know, suggested that we like come and check it out. Oh, who is it? Uh, give him the name. Oh, he grew up two blocks from here, and I blew, grew up like two houses down from him. It's like, okay. <laughs> and then, like, five minutes later, somebody else turns around. So we heard you guys are from out of town? Yeah. Hmm. Is this the best pizza you've had so far in Connecticut? It's like, well, it's the first pizza place that we've gone to because we've just been, like, at the at the hotel and the stuff right around there, but... You know, we, we're we here tonight. Oh, well, like, there's, like, two other places in Connecticut that you might go to. And here, let me, let me, you know, he, like, gets a scrap of paper. Here, let me give you the, the, the directions to get to the other two places. Like, well, this is our last night here. Oh, well, for the next time you guys come, you got to go try this place. You got to go try that place. Oh, 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 okay. That's so delightful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty good. So then the coworker of mine that stayed behind in Connecticut. He was like, yeah, so I was talking to somebody and said how we'd gone to this pizza place, and it was really good. And then they're like, no, that's the worst pizza in Connecticut. Why on earth would you go there? You need to go to this other place. And he's like, and it was like I'd insulted his the religion of his forebearers. It's like it's a thing. It wasn't. Yeah, and I was like, okay, you have to realize that like you're right at the nexus of New York-style pizza and New Haven-style pizza. And both of those groups take pizza, like, to 11. I was about to ask, so, what thickness was this pizza? So, New Haven pizza is typically a pretty thin, almost like a, a cracker crust to it. Okay. And so the, the, the pizza that I had that was better than it had any right to be was a mashed potato, bacon, and... Uh, mozzarella cheese pizza. Ooh, that on a thin crust sounds like it would be good. Yeah, it was like the first couple of bites, my brain was having a hard time processing mashed potatoes on a pizza. Yeah. But it was, it and it was like, like half rashers of bacon. It wasn't like bacon crumble. It was bacon, bacon. Well, it's 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 um, because since it's a thin like cracker crust, that means everything on it, as long as it's solid, right, can be thick. Yeah. But it was it was pretty good, and uh, yeah, that's that's a a thing that I had. All right. This week. Well, uh, let's pop over TJ. What did you do off topic this week? Uh, toy wise or experience wise. I don't know either. Give me, give me one. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, I grabbed the uh, the Fallout Four Mega Merge figures. Oh, the Glios on on like big shelves figures. Yeah, my sneaky way of talking Glios on the podcast again. Yeah. Um, it's typical like it's t- the figures themselves are typical of glios it's you know your standard swivel articulation in the right spots so you know okay they feel a little bit 90s action figure they're sculpted really nicely though mm. like, you know they you know if you 
and that like it is an unusual size scale like four inches so the, the like the 90s action figure comes across really hard on them yeah but you know the gimmick works you know like for fallout 4 and it's customizing yeah like that's a pretty perfect way of incorporating it and they look pretty good oh it looks like the armor from the games yeah no, it's, it's one of those things where it's and also i mean you can also plug them all onto existing glios parts to build them up and out mm-hmm. um it's one of those, the ongoing things with glios for me is always like oh man i wish the sculpt was like just this little bit different so i could like more easily incorporate like a, a, a you know a, a swing joint uh, into the elbow right or at least in a way that feels like more natural to the fallout sculpt than me just sort of co-opting the fallout the fallout sculpt yeah but um how, how much are the things? I, f- I forgot the price point on them. Uh, ten bucks a pop. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, yeah, like you pay you pay ten bucks for a painted Faden, so yeah, but it's about on par. Oh, that's cool. I was wondering if you were going to pick those up or not. Um, well, I picked them up out of principle more than anything. Because I will admit, I've uh, I loved Fallout Three. Haven't gotten around to four yet. Yeah, I don't know when I will ever get to four. I never actually. It was a good game. I never properly actually played three. I just open worlded it for a bunch until I, I, you know, moved on to something else. Right. I realized I, I never actually have done the story mode of any of those Bethesda games. <laughs> well, cram with so much side quest stuff. You know, you burn a hundred hours before you go. But the the plot's over here. Yeah, well, I'm just so convinced, mm-hmm. right, that, like, well, no, I'm playing it right because I'm having fun. And then eventually I'm like, when does this end? And it's like, oh, I was supposed to go find my son. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like that. Um, Well, I did something off topic uh, this past weekend is I played the Dominaria pre-release for Magic the Gathering. Ugh. I feel like a piece of hair is not on my face, but super glued to my lip, and it's really weird. And those are two things are directly related. It's, it's on my mind, because I keep getting annoyed, because I keep thinking there's something stuck on my lip. But it, I don't think anything's stuck on my lip. Anyway, uh, while I was at the MTG tournament, I drank a lot of super glue. Um, I didn't. I'm just, I'm joking. Don't drink super glue. Again, these things are related. Don't drink super glue. Um... Unless, I know, Aaron, is there some way people can drink superglue? The solution to pollution is dilution. I bet if you put enough water in and around the superglue, it would theoretically something. Man, I don't have know. you ever put superglue and water together? <clears throat> no, I haven't. It's weird. Uh, back when I was playing Warhammer, someone told me if you spritz superglue with water, it just makes it... Uh... So they told me they have a water spritzer they use to accelerate parts gluing together. And I don't know whatever happened mm-hmm. to them, but like I don't think that that actually works. Super glue dries in water. It it it's, it dries when it comes in contact with with the H two O, but in really weird ways that are I find sometimes unpredictable. Anyway, I played Magic the Gathering. It was a good time. I was so worried that it was good. I was going to get just like you know grumpy dudes who are tired of all these newbies hanging around and all these casuals. It was full of friendly people uh, on the Friday midnight thing. So much so that when I got home at five in the morning, I signed up for the Saturday and Sunday pre-release tournaments as well. 
Okay, so were these drafts? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you get the pre-release pack, so you get six boosters and two promo cards, which are uh, Dominary is full of legendaries. It's just they picked legendaries and then did uh, promo foils of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get basically uh, six boosters plus those two cards to build your deck. Um, okay. And day two, my deck was killer. Uh, day one, it was okay. Day three, I think the deck was fine, but day three, I had bad draw luck. <laughs> it was, it was not entirely my fault, uh, and I still had fun. But day two, I had this black white deck that was just kicking asses. Uh, and then at one point, I had a juggernaut with a lance uh, who got flight, uh, and it was ridiculous. And then he got double strike because of the first strike from his lance and another card. So I had this double-striking flying juggernaut who suddenly did 10 damage to a guy, and the, the opponent was just like, <laughs> double-take. He, he, he was one of my two opponents who were, like, more so the kind of folks I was a bit afraid of playing, who were, like, you know, really either um, not super lively or they talk extremely fast through what they're doing. And this was a very fast mm-hmm. talker. And then when his mental math realized what was happening, he suddenly stopped talking for a half second. And it was one of the sweetest half seconds ever. <laughs> Cause I was like, that's right. I just frigging beat you buddy <laughs> in my head. I didn't say that out loud. That'd be a dick thing to say. Um, so day two, I actually I won three of my four rounds, and I won seven booster packs. Um, and I'm really enjoying this Dominaria set. It's so stuffed with nostalgia. And then I keep seeing cards that like look pretty cool, and I go to check the really grumpy online Magic the Gathering community, and they all think that these cards are pretty cool. So I'm like, all right, this is my set. Dominaria is my set that I will play for a while. Um, there's going to be like a core set coming out in the summer. I'll go to the pre-releases cause those are fun, but, uh, Dominaria is the one where I'm like, I'm going to do everything for Dominaria. Did uh, you get a Gilded Lotus? Uh, I have two or three of them now. Okay. Um, what about a Mox Amber? Did not get that one. Uh, I did get the Angel Lady Mythic who is super valuable right now. I forgot her name, but she's like a five, five flying vigilance lifelink or something like that. Um, I got a Sarah Angel. He's just an uncommon. But I got an Icy Manipulator, a Juggernaut, and a Sarah Angel. So my nostalgia is fully activated. Um, and I, I, I haven't cracked all my boosters yet either. Um, and then uh, this coming weekend, I'm going to be going to the Dominaria drafts they're doing. Because I've never played drafts before. And it's like 10, 10 bucks a draft. Okay. Um, that seems like it would be fun. Um, my only tactic I know of is... Because I don't know very much, probably on my three packs, just pull the rare card out and keep it. Uh, and then base everything else I do on those three pulls. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I've not played a lot of drafts, but I think that's, like, unless you're deep into the meta of how everything works, probably isn't the worst to do. Yeah, it's kind of like, just base it on the idea that I want to get the good cards out of my packs. And then everything else that happens afterwards is a reaction. I really enjoyed the sealed environment, though. Like, once I realized that everyone feels like their deck sucks and everything's going to go wrong, I was like, no, this mm-hmm. is fun. This is, this is like, controlled chaos. Like, this is really, really fun. Um, and I'm like, like, whatever I do with Dominaria, even if I never play Standard, I'm going to just keep all my Dominaria stuff together and then maybe, like, make a cube out of it just to, like, do drafts of Dominaria because it's such a good... At least in my limited experience as a newbie, I feel like Dominaria is a really good drafting and sealed set because there's just so many like chances for like a game winner and there's so many chances for unexpected synergy. Um, and I, I, I've, I didn't feel like having done three drafts, I ran into a situation of I can't make anything. 
So it seems like it was a good, a, a nicely built set for drafting. There are cards that don't work in limited at all. Uh, and I have a bunch of those. <laughs> but like white uh, is kind of just like to me anyway, white is sort of a, a powerhouse for limited because it's, it's just full of stuff that works together. And a lot of that stuff is mm-hmm. common and uncommon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into magic right now and I, I have no aspirations to spend lots of money to be competitive, which is, I think, going to keep me interested for a while. Um, that's, so my understanding of it is like, <clears throat> it's more anymore. It's more find the format that you like. Yes. And I, I, I should so... say right now, yes, I have heard of commander EDH. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in response to the previous couple podcasts that told me about it. A lot of people at the event over the weekend told me about it. Uh, the only reason that I'm leaving that on the back burner right now is I don't have a commander deck, and the only way to get one for a reasonable price in Victoria is to buy a bundle of all four of the 2017 ones. So I am going to just wait for the 2018 ones, and in the meantime, if I meet some folks who are playing commander and they'll lend me a deck, I'll give that a shot. But I also don't know <laughs> yeah. enough people who even play around here to run four-player commander. Um yeah, so that's um it was going to be the other one that I was going to go to is like find a find a commander deck or theme that you like and and go from there. Yeah, the, all the commander decks in Toronto as far as I can tell have all been marked up. Uh and I don't want to pay markup on a precon. Um mm-hmm. I love the challenger precons, but I wanted all four so I was okay buying a bundle that marked them down. I was not going to pay 50 bucks for a precon commander or otherwise. Um and uh, so I, I just I don't want to pay that much, and I don't want to get the bundle of four commander decks because I've like sixty card decks. I have friends who can come over, like, like Jacob can come over, and we can just play you know sixty card magic easily, and we enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding is two person commander is a is a slightly different experience than than four person commander in a lot of ways, and it seems everyone has the most fun with you know what they call pod commander. Um, so I don't want to just get a bunch of commander decks and play one-on-one commander when that's not even really the true version of it. Um, I want to do it right. In the meantime, I'm just, I'm also just enjoying Dominaria. I'm, I'm, I have a few more boosters that are going to be coming my way and, you know, fingers crossed, maybe I'll get a Karn. Uh, so you're just going to go start like buying whole boxes? For Dominaria, I might buy one because it's Dominaria. That mm-hmm. is the reason why. Uh, I don't have any interest in buying a box for a set that isn't Dominaria, because it is the one that's full of nostalgia hooks. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can check in on me later if you want. When okay. Core 2019 comes out, give it. You know, I'm going to say I'm going to go to the pre-release. If there's drafts, I'll go to the drafts. The chances of me buying a booster box of Core 2019 are exceedingly low. <clears throat> I was going to say the the other thing is last night or maybe the night before I watched a uh, YouTube video of somebody opening a a beta boost or a beta beta starter box is it, is it the god pack <clears throat> booster or the god pack starter no like the like the original starter oh, yeah I've watched a couple of those box. over the years yeah <clears throat> the this video was actually the box had no rares in ah! it where there was some issue where it like had a repeat of the uh 
of the commons through it, and it looks like it did that through the whole thing because yep. it had sets of two through This it. is a weird serendipity because last night on a whim, I watched the uh, video where a guy opens a beta starter that had the opposite effect, the legendary god pack effect, because apparently the sorting machines mm. at Cardmaster or whatever – had a, a glitch that for decades has not been confirmed until like the last couple of years. And basically he mm -hmm. had a start, a beta starter that contained a block of rares instead of uncommons. And they were, so there was like 15 or 18 beta rares in a row. And the guy was like crying while he was going through them. <laughs> like, sh like visibly shaking and going like, I, like what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, no, this guy was getting the shakes as he was opening it because he like, the same guy. went through all the commons and it was like, okay, wow, this is weird that it restarts this. And then somebody pulled up the um, the uncut sheet in order to like go through and say like, he started saying like, okay, it's going to be this land, it's going to be this, it's going to be this, it's going to be this, it's going to be this. This is definitely and then, the same channel because he pulled up that, yeah. that sheet image when he was trying to figure out what rares were coming next. Yeah, but it was it was something that was pretty pretty crazy watching that because I mean I got started in revised which yep. was actually like two sets after me too kind of sort of I so I told my personal history for Magic to all my opponents in part so that they would be prepared for me not being very good at the rules and mm -hmm. you know like I'll say again everyone there was super kind and I really appreciate that and I, I kept telling them yeah I played back in like you know 94 to 97 and I was just a kid so I didn't even know how to play right and I kind of just stopped and they're like everyone was like you should probably check all those cards if you still have them oh I do but they're all worn played so hell. I said that and a couple people told me still go check your cards like, even the worn ones, there are people who want them for, um, what's it called, for Commander. There's people who want them mm -hmm. for uh, the format where you can use any card. I forgot what it's called. Uh, I mean, it's also Commander. But there's another format where it's like, uh, I forgot the name now. Not Unlimited. But basically, mm -hmm. there, there are people who like who are looking for worn versions so that they don't have to pay the price for mint ones. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, okay, good to know. Uh, all those cards are still over in Victoria, and I, I now I don't want to get because I know they're all in a box. And at first I was like, I wonder if I can get like my mom to ship them over. But it's like, you know what? Maybe I should just next time I'm in Victoria go through them so that they do not get shipped in a box in a box <laughs> and get mangled up even worse. Uh, anyway, that was that was what I did off topic. Um, so I that was that was sort of a thing and an experience. Aaron did an experience. TJ did a thing. Aaron, you don't have any things, right? No, not really. Uh, just to close up then, TJ, any experiences? Uh, I was on the actual radio yesterday morning. What's that like in 2018? Um, kind of bizarre. Um, this like this was a call-in segment because uh, aforementioned wrestling podcast has kind of a weird partnership thing with a uh, station in Tampa. Okay. So yeah, they just want a host on to come talk a little bit of you know pro wrestling for about ten, twelve minutes or so, and uh, I'm sitting there just waiting on the phone, and I you know they call me, producer tells me to wait, okay I wait, and then I just hear, morning TJ, uh, what, what, uh, no cue whatsoever. Oh, so they just ran with it. They're like, yeah, like, show, like, what's up? <laughs> well, like, 
whoever patched me in gave me no lead-in time, so literally all I heard was TJ, and I just had to assume that I had been welcomed onto the show. Oh, jeez. Hmm. <laughs> That's cool. Um, in, 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 in like about a minute, uh, just to, since it's the topic and we, you know, we're, we're about at the end of the show, but I'm curious, did you like WrestleMania? Uh, I did. Like, All right. On, on, like on a wrestling level, NXT was way better, but I think WrestleMania was more of a entertainment spectacle this year, which is not a bad thing. Still entertaining. I was able to get the network this year, and I did it legally! Sorry, there's a siren outside. Uh, I figured out how to circumvent the part of the network site that checks that wants to t- that wants me to tell it like what my cable provider is, um, thanks to a guide online. So I actually got the free I got the I got the free WrestleMania, uh, and I actually watched it properly, and like it was really good until the last hour when it was too long. Yeah, it went way 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 long. It was it, it, it the worst part is the last hour was the worst part of the show and also was the last hour of something that was too long. And so I don't <laughs> remember anything really uh, except that I was not looking at the screen much and I was trying to stay awake. Uh which felt really kind of I felt guilty a little bit because the first chunk of that show I thought was so super solid. And then here I am just going like, "Oh, when are they when is he going to do something more interesting?" Uh. Uh, but also, it is too long. Like, Aaron, how long do you think WrestleMania is? All day. Uh, probably next you're year. Not, you're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're, you're inc- not far off. If you include the pre-show, I want to say it's seven hours long. Yeah. Yeah. It's a seven-hour long thing. <laughs> it's too long. I know you can skip parts of it, but when you tell me I am getting to watch... Uh, WrestleMania for free because I'm a first month person. I feel like I want to watch the whole thing, you know? Yeah, because you want to get all of the value of the thing that you didn't pay yeah. for. Yeah, and then suddenly it's seven hours later and I feel dead. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to go on too long. I, I still have to watch the NXT thing because Ricochet's in it and Ricochet's my boy. And I heard Ricochet kicked some ass. Oh, um, Ricochet was awesome. Uh, yeah. The main event is the best wrestling I've seen in years. And I, there's a good package before it to catch people up, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Because I I understand it's it, it's excellent, and I I'm hoping that the package is enough so I can just jump in. I'm just waiting for that night where I really feel like watching like Ricochet, you know, defy physics. Um, but yeah, look at that. We had a wrestling segment without Seth. Even I need to ask Seth about this next time he's on as well because I never asked him how he. In- I talked to him, but I never actually like talk talk to him about how I felt about it. Uh, one last thing, TJ, how do you feel about Ronda? Ronda was surprisingly good for a debut. I know. I'm actually annoyed. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not supposed you're not supposed to actually. You this know, this is your first match. You're not supposed <laughs> to impress me. I already don't like that you're here, and I don't like that you're you're getting this whole big thing. I don't like that you're getting this that other people aren't getting it, and so I'm annoyed that I'm getting entertained. That's how I felt, basically. <laughs> why 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 do I just have the image of you standing on a porch with a rake, <laughs> <laughs> just yelling? Uh, because you've hung out, and you know that that's what I do at TFCon every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for indulging me there at the end. Uh, we will be back. 
again with some more podcasting later on. But until then, thank you, Aaron and TJ, for joining me here. Um, yep. Thank you for indulging my super glue, Aaron. And uh, we will talk to you all later on. Bye bye. Get me, but you got some badass perpetrators and they're here to stay.